All right, so we are finishing up Unit 4 of Jews, Israel, and Jesus. And Unit 4 has been Prophets Foretell of Messiah. And we have made our way to point K of Unit 4. Yes, I know, that's a lot of letters, but there's a lot of prophetic activity around the arrival of the Messiah. And what we're about to learn is the reminder that the Messiah of Israel is not just coming for Israel, but is also coming for the people. Of the nations. And this was also revealed to people from the nations. So, point K is pagan honorable mentions in the unit of prophets foretell of Messiah, but pagan honorable mentions of Balaam and the wise men. Don't ever forget that the Messiah's coming, the one who was promised, was not just promised for Israel, but was promised for all the nations of the world and every descendant of Adam and Eve who needed the one to come who would crush the head of the serpent. So there are Gentiles who also predicted and prophesied and understood the coming of the Messiah of Israel was the king and savior and judge of the whole world. So as a backdrop to the scriptures that we're about to cover, I want to make clear to you, you can see this in Deuteronomy 4 and Deuteronomy 17, that the stars, the sun, moon, and stars, the host of heaven, were apportioned portioned to the Gentiles by God, but Israel was forbidden to worship the sun, moon, and stars. So pagans, for as long as pagans have been around, have been interpreting the stars with astronomy and also astrology, interpreting a meaning that the stars have or something that the stars of the sky and the sun and the moon and the planets are communicating to humanity of events that are to come. Well, God does and can speak through the stars. And it was actually a Gentile and a false prophet who first prophesied based on a star that a star was going to be raised up by God in Israel who would rule and crush all nations. This is from Numbers chapter 24. This is actually Balaam. Balaam, the false prophet who was hired to curse Israel, but could not curse Israel because God had not cursed Israel. This is one of the earliest and clearest prophecies about the Messiah to come from the people of Israel. This is Numbers 24, starting with verse 15. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of a man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the words of God. And it is clear in these passages that Balaam is speaking with God. The God of all creation is speaking with Balaam. Balaam didn't just make this up, and he's not talking to some other God. You can dig into the Hebrew for yourself, but Balaam has gotten this revelation from God. So who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. So he sees it, and he falls down on his face out of humility, knowing what is to come. We're up to verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. So he's seeing something that's in the future. Now, he's prophesying over the people of Israel that are in the 40th year of their wilderness experience, and they're about to enter into the promised land. But he's saying, yep, 
I see him coming, but it's not now. No, no, they're going to enter into the land, but there's one other coming. Something significant is going to come, but it's not coming right away. He knew that he was prophesying deep into the future. This is what he says. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter rise out of Israel. It will crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also. His enemies shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. So he switches into the current tense, and it's like he's seeing this play out before his eyes, that this star is going to rise up. This holy one, this anointed one, is going to rise up, and Israel will valiantly be destroying all of the other nations. We're up to verse 19. And one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of the cities. Then he looked on Amalek and took up his discourse and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction. And he looked on the Kenite and took up his discourse and said, Enduring is your dwelling place, and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned when Asher takes you away captive. And he took up his discourse and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? So he is seeing the utter destruction of all nations by the star that God raises up in Israel. That is a prophetic word about the Messiah to come in a time that is distant from the time when the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land for the first time. We're up to verse 24. But Ships shall come from Kittim and shall afflict Asher and Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. So the people on the land and the people who make their living on the sea, all the nations shall come to utter destruction when the star of Israel is raised up by God with all authority. So that is a pagan false prophet prophesying accurately the words of God about the Messiah who is to come. But we're not done. There are more Gentiles who have a similar revelation, but for them, it is not far off. For them, it is in their very day. The wise men, the wise men who came to worship Jesus when he was born. These wise men were astronomers from the East. They were astronomers. They were astrologers. They spent their time and probably made their living reading the stars and interpreting the stars. And they They saw the star of the Messiah of Israel, and they understood its significance as the one who would judge all of the nations, and they brought gifts to pay homage to him and bowed down and worshiped him. So let's look. This is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They were probably from Babylon or the area of Chaldea. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. See, that's the interpretation of Micah. For it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So you're hearing that scripture again. We covered it before. We're up to verse 7 of Matthew 2. Then 
Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So the same star that Balaam prophesied, these wise men from the east saw that very star, and it rested above the place where Jesus was born. We're up to verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They saw in the star a redeemer. Yes, one who would crush all the nations of the earth, but why do you think they brought tribute? No, we come, we bow ourselves before you. We brought gifts and we are here to worship you. We believe that you are bringing judgment, but also redemption, not just for your own people, but for all people who will bow their knee and worship you. So they were rejoicing with exceedingly great joy. We're up to verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hallelujah. These Gentile wise men understood from their interpretation of the stars that the Messiah of Israel had come, the King of the nations had come, and he was coming not only for Israel, but also for everyone who would bow down and worship him. So they brought tribute and they worshiped Jesus. All right, so just to quickly summarize the messianic hope in accordance with the prophetic scriptures that we have covered in Unit 4, the messianic hope is for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is coming to overthrow all enemies of God and overthrow all nations of the world to establish God's kingdom and worldwide peace for the people of God. That is the hope of the Messiah to come. That is messianic hope. That's what the people of Israel have been anticipating from their Messiah. And that day is still yet to come and will come when Jesus returns. Messianic hope is also that the kingdom of God will be handed over to the people of God. So you can see that in various passages about the people of God ruling the world and being exalted by God in the day of judgment. The messianic hope is also for the resurrection of the dead and the resurrection to eternal life. And in your study guide, you can see on these different categories some guidelines about the passages, the prophetic passages that you can find in all of the scriptures about the Messiah so that you can do more and more work for yourself. Scriptures that pertain to the resurrection from the dead, conquering death, and having eternal life. The messianic hope is also for the wedding feast of God, that God is going to be a bridegroom to his people, his people who are Israel and his people who are his bride. So you can see many passages about that as well. And the messianic hope is about the world to come. 
the world to come, the new heavens and the new earth that God will establish, that this world, these heavens and this world will be wiped away, and a new heavens and a new earth will come, and we will dwell in that place where holiness dwells, where righteousness dwells, and where God dwells with us. It will be Eden 2.0, but even better. God's original design, but redeemed and restored and resurrected, and we will have fellowship with God, and we will dwell with God forever. We will give ourselves willingly over to Him. We will obey Him, and we will dwell with God forever. So you can see that in the many passages about God's heart and God's eternal desire that has always been to dwell with His people, to pour out His love and blessing to them. Thank you.